Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we discuss, educate and talk about industry news and hot topics, company reviews and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International. With a career covering nearly two decades, Mining International partners with new and junior miners and larger predominant players in the market. With no further ado, here is your host, Rob Tyson. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the Mining podcast. And today's guest is Ivan Bebek, who is executive chairman and director of Orin Resources, who are a technically driven, well-financed junior exploration company focused on finding and advancing globally significant gold, silver and base metal deposits. The company is a portfolio approach to asset acquisition and has seven projects across Canada and Peru. Ivan is an entrepreneur in the mining and exploration sector with over 19 years experience with strong ability to finance, monetize and advance exploration assets into the development stage. So I'm interested to find out more about Ivan's career and approach to mining and hear more about the exciting things he's doing at Orin Resources. So I'd like to welcome Ivan. How are you doing, Ivan? Very well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Pleasure no, I appreciate your time, uh, uh, taking the time to do this podcast. Um, so like most podcasts, what I'd like uh, for you to do is give the audience um, a little bit about your background from when you graduated and your sort of journey, your career um, to where you are today. So tell us a little bit about uh, your career and journey um, that some people that don't know you or even people that know you may not know things about yourself and about your career. So um, far away. Fair enough. Well, look, it's a pleasure to be here. I've been doing this, I think now you had me as 19 years. I think it's now 22 years okay. of being in this actual business, which is great. More time, more experience. Um, yeah. You know, I came from school. I went and became a stockbroker in my early 20s. And, um, you know, I approached the business with the ability to raise capital and to finance things. And what I found in my in my career when I started during the dot-com era, I read a book by Warren Buffett called Buffettology about being a contrarian investor. And I took a pretty big position locally in Vancouver as buying mining stocks during the dot-com boom and crash. And so got to buy a lot of companies like Kinross at 80 cents, Eldorado yeah. at 30 cents, which all went into the 10 or $20 share prices. Yeah. But a couple of years after I started, I found myself giving companies more advice you know, of how to run their business than I was just financing them. And I, I found a lot of interest in my own world of being, you know, trying to put something together one day and to work on the other side of the business, not yeah. so much as investing, but as actually building these companies. Um, I had a, a couple incredible mentors, uh, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Roman Shkalenka, who found seven major mines around the world yeah. back in his Placer Dome and Sutton and Kaneko days, some companies that have done very well. And, um, you know, from him, I spent, you know, four years roughly with about an hour to two hours a day with him getting educated on the mining business, the exploration business specifically, and the rules of the trade, how it worked. This gentleman was a PhD geologist. And so he kind of gave me my education on how major mines are found and what mines are of significance. In 2005, I met a gentleman by my business partner by the name of Sean Wallace. 
Sean Wallace worked with the Hunter Dickinson Group at the time for about 20 years. Hunter Dickinson Group was another really profound mining exploration team that has found and built mines and sold mines, uh, much like Roman, but they've done it on a, on a different scale. And so Sean and I met. We decided, let's let's go create our own company. We don't want to work for people forever. We'd like to work for ourselves. And we formed Keegan Resources. And our goal there was, you know, let's go find a 5 million ounce gold mine because that's the kind of mine size that would, you know, make the world get the world's attention and you'd make money for shareholders and a major mining company would buy it. Yeah. Well, we successfully found 5 million ounces of gold. We found a mine called the Assassin Mine. Um, we did not sell the company, but we went to $9 a share from 50 cents a share. And we subsequently built the mine. And we financed that company in the middle or the end of the bull market. We raised yeah. about $200 million. And that actually covered the company financially for about 75% of the mine cost to build it. And now that company today is called Asanko Gold. It's in Ghana, West Africa. Yeah. It has 10 million ounces. Ounces. We bought the 5 million ounce mine next door. But the problem there was Africa or Ghana specifically, they raised royalties from three and a half to five and a half percent to the government. Yeah. And they raised corporate taxes, which made the mine not as profitable and many others in country. And that kind of happened in the last bull market when gold went to 2000 or just under $2,000 an ounce. But today, you know, and if we don't find something and sell it, our goal is to build it and deliver value long term for shareholders. We started a company called Caden Resources. We're well known for this company, and um, we ended up trying to do the same thing we did with Keegan. But um, we met some guys from Newmont along the way, a couple guys that were considered gold ninjas within Newmont because they added several million ounces of gold to some of the mines in Ghana for Newmont. And um, these guys came aboard halfway through Caden's period and uh them their names are michael hendrickson and dave smithson them along with dan mccoy chief geologist we got onto a good project in mexico and we ended up selling caden to agnico eagle for 205 million dollars um, for the company and, and it worked out to be about 360 per share in 2014 which is in the middle of the bear market um yeah. we did this after we drilled 100 drill holes so we didn't have a resource yet we didn't have a deposit. We had invested about $40 million. We sold an encore asset for $15 million. So about $25, $30 million of sunken capital. We turned around, sold the company for $205 million. And if you held Igniko shares for 14 months later, you would have gotten $7 a share because they doubled afterwards. So that was a huge success for us. Um, not only did we execute on selling a discovery had a very good monetizing share price for investors. The company traded 67 cents the year before, so there was a great return for investors amidst the bear market. It quarterbacked Oren Resources, our current company. Basically, we, we, we went out and we said, look, how do we do what we were trying to do before differently on a much larger scale? So we incorporated a former global exploration team from Newmont, which had a lot of former global experts yeah. uh, alongside Michael and David. They brought their colleagues in. Um, on our board is the former chief geologist of Newmont, Antonio Rebus. He was the VP of geosciences for BHP as well, which is the largest mining company in the world. So we had a wealth of technical people. The needle that gets these guys excited, they're all former Newmont, is the needle that would get Newmont excited. That's an expensive needle to move, and it's extremely rewarding if you can move it. So yeah. we required seven projects that all had a characteristic either with high-grade gold and a lot of scale to potentially find one of the world's biggest gold mines or 
um, oxide or on surface mineralization in South America uh, in terms of base metals or precious metals. Um, the way we've created a portfolio, we're in Canada. We're in the western side of Canada in British Columbia. We're in Committee Bay is up in Nunavut. And then we're down in Peru, in southern Peru. And what we have now is we have three tier one exploration opportunities. Uh, Committee Bay in Canada would rank us tier one on the gold side. Um, it's a 300-kilometer gold belt with gold from one end to the other. And it's got some of the largest mines in the world being operated and, and being discovered by Agnico Eagle right next door, a mine called Amaruk, another mine called Meliodine. These are 6 to 11 million ounce gold, high-grade gold mines. And then in Peru... And this is what we've been known for entirely in the last six months. We've got something called the Sombrero Project. And this truly is, you know, the breaking of, of a mold and finding something that was missed by many before. We believe we've, we've taken one of the world's largest copper belts in terms of copper, copper gold mines. And we've extended that belt. And we're first movers on this belt. And we think we're going to find not just one major copper gold discovery, but potentially multiple ones over the next five to 10 years. And uh, and that's really been a driver. So that's a second tier one discovery opportunity, which I'm sure we'll talk a bit about. Yeah. And lastly, there's something called Curibaya. This is a project we first acquired in Peru four and four years ago. And we've been trying to consolidate neighboring properties that we knew were mineralized. There was gold or silver on those properties and copper. It's on Peru's most prolific gold belt or gold, sorry, copper belt, and, and this is one of the most prolific copper belts in the world. And so we looked at it, and what we were able to do is we went out and took 500 samples, and we've gotten the most incredible silver grades we've seen on a project you know, to start. And we've got 55 samples running from 200 grams silver up to 14 kilos silver. 40 samples run from 1 to 24 grams gold. And then we have these huge copper structures, you know, peripheral to it coming in at 1% to 14% copper. These are all spectacular grades. The footprint is world-class, and the grades are spectacular. And we've learned a lot about it lately, but this is what we have going forward. We have three major Tier 1 swings that we talk about, and we're about to go and hopefully make history and find some of the largest mines in the world. And, and that's where we sit today. Yeah, well, that's a very interesting uh, journey that you've been on and quite successful in a relatively short period of time, especially when you were in the banking industry and then obviously moved into owning a and uh, developing a, an exploration company. Um, some of the things that you mentioned, obviously, initially you were studying uh, Warren Buffett um, and obviously you had some mentors. So the question, next question is, what did you take away from listening and reading about Warren Buffett and also the mentors that you mentioned what did you learn and take away for you to then move and then start an exploration company was there any main main points and learnings that you took you took with you sure there's I mean every successful person that you'll meet has likely learned off another su successful person yeah. and taken some of those ingredients right and so um when I look back at my career and how I got to where I'm at today you know, from the Warren Buffett school of thinking, everyone knows Warren Buffett doesn't like gold. I'm a gold bug. But Warren Buffett is an eternal contrarian. And it's taught me to be aggressive, to work harder and buy more or shop harder for good assets in bad markets when markets are getting ignored or they're in the bear market of the cycle. Go against the grain when things are cheap, right? Yeah. Um, this actually had made me a contrarian. And then I met a gentleman by the name of Rick Rule 
who's a yeah. world famous investor and owns part of Sprott with Eric Sprott. Mm-hmm. And Rick Rules w- was one of the, the key contrarians in our space and huge capital raisers, very successful individual. And so the door started opening. And then I learned quickly, you know, from there that, okay, here's a business where you can be extremely successful. You're approaching it at the cheapest point of the cycle. You're going to make people a lot of money by being betting heavy early and then getting paid later. And that's exactly what happened. I came across a gentleman by the name of Rob Sally, who is a broker at a firm called Dundee uh, Resource or Dundee uh, Securities in Vancouver and Toronto. And Rob was financing the billionaires in our business. And I basically turned to him and said, hey, how can I be better at what I do? And he gave me some incredible guidance. And so a combination of those things kind of shaped my way of thinking. Um, I naturally became a very anti-dilutive person. And I learned on my own that share structure is everything. Your shareholders are what make your company successful and make it financeable and make it perform. So we built always some of the best shareholder registries we possibly could. You know, and I'll, and I'll, I'll quantify that here in a minute. But why the exploration business um, risk versus reward it's the land of opportunity as an investor. I, I owned a company called Aurelian. Uh, I yep. believe I bought it at a dollar eighty. It was as low as twenty cents. It went to forty nine dollars a share, forty four dollars a share. Um, I owned a company called Kaneko, which which was run by my old mentor on the on the mining side, and they went from a dollar per share to twenty two dollars per share. Um, I owned a, some of Lucas Landin's companies. They went from pennies into the multi dollars. Um, Redback Mining, when we yep. were doing Keegan, to nine dollars. You know, went from a dollar to forty dollars or thirty-five dollars a share. Was bought for seven billion dollars. I love geology. I studied it in school. I'm not a geologist, but I did take enough courses and I understand it well. And you know, myself and my partners, we've raised over six hundred and fifty million dollars since two thousand five as a group together. That's you know two thirds almost of a billion dollars, and we've done that as needed. And so today, I sit here, you know, with you on the call, and I'm thinking back to my mentorship. And, you know, the things that I've learned was the rules of the business, how to do it better and what to go find that's going to make investors all the money. And that's kind of what I've inputted into my group. Um, I have partners, you know, I would never take credit for anything all by myself. And and I most certainly value my partners equally. Um, And they all bring something different with their own experiences and their own mentors. But together, I think we've created an incredible team of experts, not only on the scientific side, but on the corporate and the financial side. And that's why, you know, with Oren itself, we've been able to raise $100 million in the last five years and create some of the most compelling exploration opportunities on the planet that everyone's talking about nationwide. I mean, as I'm talking to you today, we're sitting here with about $180 million market capitalization, and we still haven't drilled a discovery hole. And this is not an easy market to be in with that valuation. The reason why, yeah, the reason why we get that is because you come down to our sombrero project, which is kind of the talk of the market, and you can walk on copper and gold for two days that you're going to drill underneath. That's a lot easier than you know trying to drill something you can't see, which is what the industry is kind of leaning towards, because a lot of the easy discoveries have been made around the planet. The future of finding big copper gold mines or silver mines is way more difficult than it has ever been before, and it's because... The amount of capital, I think it was about $20 billion went into exploration in the last 20 years with the two bull markets we kind of saw. And anything sticking out of the ground that was obvious has been found. 
And secondly, from that, you know, um, you have to go now into hard jurisdictions. You've got to go into new countries that would, would be geopolitically sensitive, or you've got to go into places and go somewhere where somebody didn't go before. And you've got to do something different in science that wasn't done before. This is the hardest thing to do when the market is very difficult to raise money in. We've raised $100 million in the last four and a half years, but a lot of people haven't been able to raise barely 10% of that. And so, um, no, it's, it's a new playing field. It's a new world. When discoveries are made, investors are going to get paid a tremendous amount more than they have before. But there won't be as many discoveries that we've seen before. And they'll come by luck almost or incredible opportunistic science that, that is being done differently than before. Yeah. Um, obviously, the, you mentioned uh, Rick Raw, and I actually did a podcast with him about four or five months ago, or maybe six months ago. So uh, yeah, so um, that, that was an interesting podcast. You may want to listen listen to that. Um, and I did hear him speak at the Minds of Money in London. Um, and his outlook moving forward is he's only going to invest in exploration companies. Um, and I think that from what you've been saying... Um, is I think the best best way you can move forward if you're if you've got capital. I think it is trying to find those discoveries, and obviously it is a lot harder to find them, especially in this market at the moment with finance. But that's what he's looking to uh, looking to invest in in exploration companies. So, um, so I think you're on the sa- I, same lines as him. Yeah, I preach to the same same pedigree of, of exploration interest. I, I describe my my appetite for exploration in an unhealthy, you know, because of how strong it is. That discovery reward in the share price is what I'm after and is what we're after. Um, I think that you can go buy a gold company like Barrick. You could have bought it at $14, $15 a few months ago. It's now at $22. It was up to $26 a share. Yeah. That's a different, that's low risk. That's a good reward. It probably doubles from here going forward. I don't think you'll get incredibly wealthy. I think you'll make a good amount of money buying any gold company, mid-size, mid-tier, you know, any of those companies. But if you're going to make something a 10 or 20 times your money somewhere or more, you're going to have to make it off of a discovery. Now, yeah. this is there's always a parallel risk to the reward. And, you know, I think that's the next part of where I think investors should look at what is the exploration company trying to find? Yeah. And a lot of people are trying to find a discovery, but the size of discovery has to be worthwhile. We've gone to number one in the world. We're trying to find the biggest mines on the planet. You know, maybe in the last 20 years, that's our swing that we're taking. It doesn't mean we're going to find it. The odds against us are the same if you try to find a couple million ounces of gold. Yeah. Um, because we can raise more money, because we have this former Newmont Global Expert Exploration Team, you know, we do have the tools and the capability, and that's how we've defined our, our unhealthy appetite for exploration, is just to go after really big things. So if one of the three things work out, investors will get really rich off of it, and uh, it'll make the, the pain and, and struggle and frustrations to get there all worthwhile. Yeah, no worries. Um, want to move on to, and speak about um, our resources. Um, what's what's your business model and and obviously you mentioned about a few of your projects but what are your f- uh, flagship projects at the moment and obviously if you can give us some detail around that maybe your 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 best projects that you're looking at at the moment yeah so um the best project you're asking me to pick between three kids <laughs> <laughs> speak but about I'll, all three of them then we, we, we don't want to choose one over the other 
Yeah, and they will relate to the business model. Um, you know, yeah. Committee Bay being such a big gold belt in none of it, and being major mines nearby. We spent sixty million dollars at Committee Bay trying to find out how to find deposits that are covered. And the cover's thin, but it covers all the rocks. And we've involved artificial intelligence. We've we've sampled the entire belt, and we've done the most incredible work programs up there. We finally feel at Committee Bay we found the key signal that we're getting out of the ground that's going to show us where to find these high-grade gold deposits. We found gold, but not high enough. It wasn't rich enough, right? So Committee Bay for me is a project that could deliver you know, several multi five plus million ounce discoveries over the next two decades once you get it right and you find the way to target them. If I come down to Sombrero and we talk about finding the other half of this copper belt, um, the mine that it draws direct comparison to the one, the project we're going to drill that I am the most excited about right now because we're about to get permits in the next quarter to drill it, we believe it's, it's analogous to a mine called Las Bombas. Las Bombas sold for $8 billion in 2014. Uh, the metal value that was paid for in the transaction was $6 billion. The gross value of the copper molybdenum, that's the, what the mine was, um, was $60 billion during that transaction. So if you look at Sombrero, which we're about, we've talked to the world about it. We've gotten a lot of data off the surface. We found some old drill holes near the edge of the system. So we have some meaningful science behind it. We're taking a swing in the first part, which is about 5% of the property that we own to find a $60 billion ore body. So that's the most mature and closest to discovery. And that's substantial. And, you know, market cap's 180 million. You know, could we go to a $3 billion market cap? What does that mean for the share price? That would be a $30 share price. These are just what ifs. And this is the kind of swing we're hoping to deliver for shareholders. Doesn't mean it will necessarily happen, but, or maybe we get further. We'll see how many lost bombuses we could potentially find yeah. in our huge land position. Curry Baya completely shocked us all in August when we started sampling it. And if you look at our last few press releases about it, it's just unexplainable until recently, extremely high grade silver and gold everywhere, peripheral to copper on a major, major mining belt. Um, the scale is awesome, but the grade is spectacular. And, you know, this we're learning as I'm talking to you now, we're learning more about it. But what we're trying to learn about it is it is really as good as it might be. The high grade everywhere has a lot more meaning to it than just some high grade by fortune or fortuitous nature on surface. It's actually got some consequential technical meaning, which everybody will start to see the model come together in the first half of next year before we drill it in the second half of next year. So those are my three flagships. The business strategy of the company, um, you know, we don't hide it. We're very honest about it is we want to go do what we did in our last company, drill 50 or 100 holes, create incredible value for shareholders, de-risk a, a major exploration swing, pay shareholders well, and, and sell it to the end buyer, which would be a producing major mining company. Um, Sombrero has gotten the top 10 mining companies in the world's attention, you know, base metal or precious metal, and everyone's paying very close attention to it. Um, we received an investment for about $38 million to date by Goldcorp, which is now Newmont Goldcorp because yeah. of Committee Bay. And Curry Baya is just coming coming to life now. And, you know, I think it's going to certainly pique a lot of major silver companies' interest because the grade is so rich and it's so well distributed. So, you know, that end goal that I'm referring to is would be, in this case, a perfect world would be, you know, we, we sell them all three different times. We sell Sombrero. 
we sell Committee Bay and we sell Curry Bio. Do we end up splitting the company three times or spinning out each one and selling it? If we could deliver three $10 or $15 share prices, I think we've we've hit the, 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 the home run basis loaded kind of analogy. We've really done it right. If we just sell one of those three, we've done ex- extremely well for investors. And they all have different levels of risk, but they all have the same type of reward that they all match. So it's a really unique position to be in. Finding one of these tier one opportunities in a company would be spectacular. Having all three in one gives you something called optionality. Do you sell it three times? Do you sell it twice? Do you sell it once? I mean, these are all ways to to do well, but what this is all underpinned by, which is really important, it's by the edge of the bull market. We are about to enter one of the world's best bull markets it's seen in commodities. Harder to find mines, supply is an issue on the copper side, inventories are low, there's a massive demand out of electrification, electric cars and whatnot, and new construction that's going to happen over the next few decades. So the base metal market is going to be really strong. Precious metal market is coming out of a seven-year bear market. And to, to back up what I'm saying, in the last eight days, Detour Gold was bought for $5 billion or $4.9 billion by Kirkland Lake. Uh, Continental Minerals was bought for a billion dollars. Um, Sentiment was bid for $2.5 billion. Uh, a company called Silvercrest, a silver discovery, raised $60 million financing two days ago. These are the kind of things you look for when you expect a bull market to start. Or you look for that at the end of a bull market. You look for all the M&A to happen, these big transactions, as you think it's going to finish, right? Yeah. So obviously, we've been in a bear market for probably seven or eight years. I think these are really good part of the good indicators that are pointing towards fact that people are starting to position themselves, not just personally on the billionaires that invest in our space, but also we're seeing it on the, um, on the corporate side where major mining companies are trying to swallow up you know, good assets before they become more expensive. So exciting for having major swings, but equally as exciting for, you know, the market that's going to go behind it. We didn't plan this timing to be this well. We, we hoped that discovery started two years ago for yeah. us or maybe three, but fortuitously, and, and you earn your luck in this business, we're going to get to drill these exciting opportunities going into this bull market. And, you know, hopefully that adds an extremely good premium to any kind of dis- discovery that we make. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's uh, um, exciting times ahead. And obviously, what you've just mentioned about companies trying to buy smaller players and take up larger market share. And um, yeah, it certainly is interesting times ahead. And obviously, with yourselves, um, your share price is um, up by 45% year to date. Um, what's What's been the main drivers for that? Most of the year has been the sombrero coming yep. to life. And we've taught the world a lot about that opportunity. Um, the biggest breakthrough at Sombrero was the age dating of the rocks this summer. Um, we, 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 when you talk about being part of a, a big belt where there's major deposits, when you talk about being similar to a Las Bombas, if the event that created Las Bombas is a different age and time than what you're doing, you can't make the analogy, right? So that kind of came out this summer alongside some historical drill holes. And everyone's been talking about Sombrero. Up until August. And then when we started to talk about Curibaya, you know, it, it came in three different press releases. And then now it's become something that's being more and more followed. And I think as we start to reveal what it is, but it's truly been Sombrero that's been the driver 
and now it's going to have a competitive asset. And this is extremely fortuitous for us and positive inquiry bias. So I think Peru has been our driver. Mm-hmm. Committee Bay has been a great project for us. It gets a lot of attention every time we go there. But we had to crack the science of how to find high grade. We did successfully do that this year. But I'd say 80% of our value is probably coming out of Sombrero in Peru. Because that's the that's center stage for us right now. And, uh, and that's where it's been. Yeah. Um, and what would be the, the catalyst for 2020? So we're on the edge of getting drill permits to drill Sombrero. Yeah. And I think any kind of permit movement will be a tremendous catalyst. Um, yeah. I think that continued work at Curibaya, where as we start to show people what that really is, you'll see constant press releases on it into early 2020. The goal for us is to drill from the end of Q1 right through the end of the year ongoing to drill Sombrero continuously, to drill Curibaya in Q4, and then to drill Committee Bay the following year. So there's going to be nonstop drilling that we're going to set our shareholders up for. And as you know very well, Rob, it's the drill bit that makes the biggest return for shareholders. Yeah. So the, the last two years, or the last year specifically, but on Sombrero in Peru, has been all about identifying these and quantifying these tier one opportunities. The next two years for us are going to be about drilling them. And, uh, you know, it's exciting. And I can't wait to be drilling versus talking about the opportunity to be actually drilling the opportunity. And that's what's about to start at the end of Q1 next year. Yeah. And obviously then getting them all important results and and finding those discoveries and how how large those discoveries can be and, and the potential for them. So, um, yeah, look forward, to, look forward to receiving those results. Thank you. Yes, um, us too. Uh, your market capitalization is around eight, 180 million um, mm-hmm. Canadian dollars. Um, with the plans to drill out at least two of your projects, um, how will you sort of raise the money and what, what are your plans around that? So this year, um, and this market hasn't been great to raise money, and yep. there's money available. But we're very specific. And I said before, our shareholders are one of our biggest weapons. They make us successful, right? So we've been overly patient with the market and we financed ourselves for $13 million this year. And it's a combination of insiders, family, and a supportive investor, a couple of key supportive investors. Um, We've done this because we want to attract investors that want to be part of the major opportunity, longer term thinkers, meaning 18 months to two years, big pools of capital behind them so we can monetize together. But we do have a fear because of the opportunity in Sombrero so strong that somebody might try to buy our company early. So we, we want to be really strategic with how we finance. Yeah. So, you know, as we sit today, we're going to need capital to go do this. Um, we're looking and speaking with some of the industry leading investors. These are marquee investors that bring tremendous value and they would likely more than likely side with management so that we could reveal enough of the discovery before our transaction or create a level of premium because of their involvement as shareholders. We think that we will be well-funded early in Q1 to take care of the next 18 or 24 months. And, you know, again, we're, we're patient for the right investors. We think we'll get them between now and, uh, and the end of January. I'd say that the closeness to a drill permit is something that's paramount alongside with the opportunity, the timing of the market, and, again, financing ourselves for the last 12 months has put us in a position to possibly execute on delivering some marquee investors going forward. So I'd say look forward to us doing a, a very strategic funding between now and February and uh, and then drills turning really shortly after that. 
And so, uh, and that'll take care of our budgets. And, um, you know, on the, on the flip side, we do have money offered to us every week. We just, we don't want to take money from people we haven't met or don't yeah. know very well. We want to make sure it's somebody we can work with and that we all see the business plan the same way and we can execute uh, and provide the biggest return for our shareholders. Yeah. Um, I want to slowly wrap this uh, podcast up because I know you're, you're a busy man. Um, as a conclusion, um, and obviously give our audience some, uh, some um, help, I suppose, if they're looking to invest, why would, some, why would someone want to invest in um, or in resources as opposed to other mining companies or other gold mining companies and explorers out there? What would you say is unique about your company and the opportunities that you're presently involved with? Sure. So uh, I love competing, but I wish all my peers, competing companies, all the best of luck. And I want to see everyone make money everywhere. Yeah. But as a very large investor inside and outside our own company, you know, and, and there's a degree of bias and there's a lot of unbiased in what I'm going to say next. I'm not aware of another company that has three potential tier one opportunities on deck, both gold and, and, and offers precious and base metals by opportunity. I'm not aware of another entity or another company that can split the company into three with these three opportunities or that is backed by such a deep technical team that we have. And lastly, I'm not aware of another company that has raised 100 and spent $100 million trying to define and find these things, obviously learning through that spend and the ability to raise another $100 million or more going forward. So I think Oren is really unique because it has three major opportunities within its portfolio. It has a technical team from one of the biggest or the biggest gold company in the world. And so the science is really strong. And then its actual ability to finance has been something not just from the market, but from within itself. It's been something that's helped maintain it. And if you want to quantify my pick as Oren to be unique to itself, the 180 or the $180 million market cap, the dollar 87 share price today, Canadian that we have, there's a saying in our industry, the stock price never lies. And that quantifies all of what I've said. You might end up with three shares. You might end up with three world-class discoveries and you could have a magnitude of return, a multiple return on your investment. So I think it's segregated by scale and by expertise and by financial raising abilities. Yeah, certainly. And I think that's that's a good conclusion. And you guys have had a proven track record and you've got people within your team that have proven track records yourself, your exploration team. So definitely, I think it's a, definitely a, a stock worth, uh, worth looking at. Um, and hopefully the audience will um, take note of that. Um, Really appreciate your time, Ivan, for, for doing this podcast. Um, if any of our audience wants to reach out to you, um, how can they go about doing that? Oh, thank you so much for having me and allowing me to talk about my company. Um, you can come to our website. Um, yeah. My email is quite simple. It's just ivan at oranresources.com. But I'm not as easy to get sometimes, so I'd encourage our, just in emailing our investor relations, Natasha Frakes at info at oranresources.com. You can join our mailing list. Um, I'm reachable to all shareholders at any time that I can, you know, efficiently respond. But uh, those are the best ways to get a hold of us. We trade on the New York and the Toronto Stock Exchange on the symbol AUG. And But visit our website and yeah. you can follow us and, and be part of all of our updates. Yep. Yeah. And are you on any social media platforms at all? 
we are on Twitter, I believe, or we're tweeted a lot about. Um, we are on them. That's the main one that we yeah. would be under. And um, I, I'm on LinkedIn personally. And yeah. so from time to time, I write articles about the industry or about our company. But um, yeah, that's that's where we focus there. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And alternatively, if you want uh, to send me a message and I can pass it on to Ivan, um, you can email me at rob at myling-international.org. Um, hope the audience enjoyed this podcast. I certainly did. I've certainly learned a lot. Um, there's certainly a few golden nuggets in uh, what Ivan uh, has had to say. Um, so I hope you, um, hope you appreciate that and really um, appreciate you, Ivan, for taking the time to do this podcast. Um, so until next time, Happy mining. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. If there are any topics you want discussed or questions you want to ask any guests, then you can email us at rob at mining-international.org or you can follow Rob and Mining International on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube for more content and to have your questions answered. Until next time, happy mining.